Welcome to Gimli Talks. I am Cameron Hoadley, and I'm sitting here with DJ Mads. Welcome. I appreciate the uh, uh, little show that you played just beforehand, and I got to say that I was sitting with my Shazam out, just yeah. kind of hearing what you were playing, and I'm going to listen to it when I get back home. But I was very impressed, man. I got to say that you have a good good music taste. Thank you. Was there some of the, the tracks that didn't appear on this Shazam? No, so far all of them did show up. Oh, yeah. they stepped the game up. I know. Shazam. Yeah. <laughs> I want to start with, because I don't know if you know, it's a thing that I sometimes share that I used to be a DJ. So oh. it's like one DJ to another. Seeing you do your work <laughs> is bringing me back home. But when Nostalgic. Did you, yeah, it was very nostalgic to see that. And just to kind of interlay it a little bit and have yeah. the fade go in and then open another track. I was impressed. I got to say. But when Thank did you. you start doing this? Like, when did you pick up this project? So I've been collecting like vinyl records for I think about five or six years now. And then I'm heavily into old school hip hop from New York mostly, like Das Effects, Wu Tang Clan, Artifacts, stuff like that. And of course to be in the hip hop community, you need to either break dance, scratch, freestyle rap. And I just always thought that scratching and DJing it was appealing to me. So I, when I got the chance, I bought a pair of Techniques 1210, which is the record player and a mixer, and I started to scratch, like baby steps. But I love it. It's very meditative also. I agree, man. So when did you make that purchase? Was that also six years prior, or that no, was when you started collecting vinyls? I actually borrowed, in the start, I borrowed my grandparents' record player. It was Bang and & Olufsen, and... I would just play a lot of psychedelic rock back then. I was not so much into hip-hop the same way as I am now, but I would just, you know, Pink Floyd, Darks of the Moon to yep. test the sound system and the doors and stuff like that. It was in this, like, the beginning of my gymnasium time. But then I think I bought these maybe three years ago, and I love them. Oh, man, I... The tanks. Yes. No, you were. If I'm correct, you can do. And we'll get into like the music that you were playing because yeah. it's all over the world and yeah. it's impressive. But uh, where you can, you were playing like an instrumental and then you did like sound over, like one of the singers over it, and then it just kind of clicked very well. Is that kind of what you do? Because I know very little when it comes to like DJing and doing stuff. Yeah, like it's, that was the James Brown record and the Das Effects. Yeah. So, like, I also produce hip-hop beats on this old-school machine called an MPC 2000XL from 1999, and all my sounds come from, like, the vinyl records I have. Mm -hmm. So that's also a reason to go out and create dig and spend money on vinyl, because <laughs> otherwise I can't sample stuff. But um, the thing you asked about is, like, it's beat matching, you know? I have... This one song, which does a fix sampled, and it's at the same BPM. So I played like the original sample and then faded it into the hip hop track, which originates from the James Brown sample. So they go well together. And then with the rapping over, it's a classic. Yeah. <laughs> Were there, in what was the like push to try and like experiment with this? Whereas there are like other DJs who are just like, fuck, man, like I'm very impressed with this and I want to try it myself. Yeah, I think it's, it can be a bit scary to, to try and DJ because some of the 
the DJs that are really good are like scary good. And <laughs> yeah. I just I'm I'm just like honestly not that good at it. But to see like DJ Grandmaster Flash or something scratch on the on the records it's like motivating because you can see how far you can get and how crazy it can like it can be to scratch and beat match and cut up all the records because there's really no limit to what you can do it's all creativity so that's really motivating to me i get you and you always keep it in like the psychedelic 70s but yeah. world a little bit yeah i'm like I would say my main genre is, yeah, everything psychedelic. I love, especially now, back in the days I was a psychedelic rock dude, but now like psychedelic funk, soul, and psychedelic hip hop to a degree is, is really what I dig the most. I haven't even heard any psychedelic <laughs> hip hop. I, I had no idea that exists. I uh, played one track, which was which was kind of psychedelic hip-hop. The, the dude called Torp the Roach from Norway, mm -hmm. who produced his albums in a small cabin in the mountains in Norway. And he's a pretty psychedelic dude also. So, Yeah. Uh, when it came to like psychedelic music, I also went through that phase as well. So when you're like naming Pink Floyd, I'm like, ooh. Yeah. And uh, collecting my vinyls, I... That's where I'm like trying to be careful when it comes to my vinyl collection. Uh, it's nice to actually go into like a record store and see because there's some of them in Portland, Oregon, which yeah. is just south of Washington. And I would go into some of those record stores and go through Pink Floyd because they would have the live uh, concerts that you can't find online. Oh, like uh, I think the Pink Floyd live concerts on vinyls, like uh, maybe bootlegs, you know, unofficial releases that. Yeah rare to to find and you would get them i would oh my god yeah yeah, yeah i would buy those there's one from santa oh and i think it's before they wrote the song on the album i think it was metal yeah from 71 yeah, yeah. i th and i'm always this is my own interpretation that they wrote that song because of that concert because my god it's good and i um just when it comes to like backlog stuff, because I'm assuming that when if it comes to a specific artist, you kind of want to dive a little deeper yeah. and find some of the like demos that they went through and uh, see the experimenting that they kind of had in their own. Uh, what was like, what is some of your like proudest hits that you've kind of created within yourself uh, when it comes to your work? Like uh, things I found on vinyl or? Yeah, uh, like mixing the two of them. Oh. I would say I love, especially buying hip hop vinyl maxi singles. It's it's uh, the twelve inch record, but with with the original song and the instrumental and the a cappella. Mm. So I love to put, for example, MCs act like they don't know a song by Carrie's One. You put the instrumental on, and then you find an a cappella at like the same BPM range, and you scratch a bit, and then let the rap play, and it blends so well together and then you just made your own track on the spot and then you can scratch a bit more and like you can change the beat and you can change the acapella and you can put something over that and yeah i can't tell you a specific mix but just in general doing that that is that is really fun so when did you make the decision of like i'm doing this like as a personal passion project and then wanting to do in front of like an audience well, 
I don't know. I was. I have a good friend called Ashbjorn, who's also. We go to crate digging trips together, like a couple of times each each month month in uh, Copenhagen at a place called Can Records. It's like the. It's Martin in Can Records, and uh, yeah, he's a really sweet guy, and um, like his record store. There's been some very famous people at that place. We talked about Lord of the Rings earlier. Yeah. Um, Elijah Wood has been there a couple of times, just looking through his records and bought some stuff, which he featured on like this vinyl episode interview thing he did on YouTube. Is it What's in My Bag? Yeah. If No, Amoeba What's in My Bag? Like this, uh, this record store called Amoeba in uh, America. And they do this what's in my bag yeah yeah i'm not not sure it's that one i think it was like this special episode of like elijah wood and his partner i think he has a dj partner i can't remember the name though but he would shout out martin from can records and be like oh i got this in denmark at martin from can records so shout out to you martin and this guy called lord finesse who is one of the illest Beatmakers and MCs of all time. He also goes there often. So, yeah. You so you would go there and and hung out with these guys. What ended up like? Did they suggest that you should go play live, or were you just kind of clutching at that time? No, I would I would just collect the like the vinyl, and then I had the the turntables and the mixer, and it's the perfect DJ setup because the twelve the techniques twelve tens. They're like the the perfect DJ turntable. So when I had the turntables and the records, I was like, maybe I should try to, to play some in front of people and introduce people to music that they wouldn't necessarily uh, listen to alone or if I didn't show them. And I would go at my first gig, I think it was at Vinyl Freak, the vinyl uh, shop in Roskilde where this dude called Dirk who owns the place just asked if I want to come with Ashbjorn and play some records and then yeah I can't remember what happened next but I just started DJing in front of people yeah and you liked it because don't how often do you like play in Gimli yeah well I played at Gimli two times before Corona shut it down and fucked everything up <laughs> for a lot of people, right? Yeah. So I was supposed to travel to Nepal. But Whoa. Yeah. And maybe become a monk for a few weeks. Yeah, you just stay three it. months and, you yeah. know, find some obscure stuff there. Yeah, and I would really love to go crate digging in Nepal or India to find maybe some far out seven inch singles with some weird shit on. That you wouldn't find in Denmark or Europe. But, yeah. India, it's been... Uh, a lot of people have been creating it in India, so it's hard to find stuff that people haven't found before you. But that's like the chase. It, it's the hunt for that record that you know some people are going to go crazy when they hear it. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. 
I know I still have like a list of uh, vinyls that I need to find, like some Bossa Nova stuff, and I feel yeah. like I have to go to Brazil to find it. <laughs> I've like looked online; it's like five hundred US dollars, and oh. I'm like, oh gosh, like I'm That's gonna expensive. wish. Expensive. Yes, and it's like I'm not even sure if it's real. Like I'm just <laughs> gonna get like it's gonna come to me, and it's just like the cover. And it's not the vinyl's not in there. But that's a great excuse to go to Brazil. Anyways, I agree. I need to find that record. Let's go to Brazil. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I I like the way that you think. Yeah. Um, but what was because uh, I for myself I was refraining from actually buying vinyls because I've been a, a what I would call a fanatic when it comes to music yeah. throughout high school. Like me and my friend, we would always listen to something new when we would drive to high, like to school. And uh, when my my dad bought me my first vinyl record. Uh, when was that? This was, I think I was 18 at the time. And I remember when he purchased it, you know, bless his heart. He had the best of intention. I'm just like, I'm going to spend so much money unnecessarily <laughs> in this, like, passion project. Yeah. Uh, which is why, like, I made the goal of, like, if I come across obscure stuff in record stores, then I'll buy those ones. But what was your first record that you bought? Oh, actually, the first record that... I got it was Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five, but it was my dad's old record I found on the attic, and I I really just like the song, the message, you know, mm -hmm. the legendary rap song. I was I would play that at a, at the turntable. It was like the experience was a lot different than just pressing play on Spotify. You can see the the record spinning around, you could touch it, you could feel it, you could even spit on it if you want to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that was, that, that something clicked for me. I, w I w just started buying records there from that on. But uh, I think the first one I bought with my own money was Pink Floyd, Wish You Were Here. And it was it's just for choice. the display at back home because I, I don't think I had a record player at the time. No, I, I'm a huge Floyd fan. Yeah. Uh, and the only one that I own so far is actually Umaguma. Yeah. I haven't gone beyond that. And then and that's the most fucked up of them all. I love it. Yeah. I think it captures the essence of Pink Floyd because it's yeah. just chaos. And then it has like some live at the beginning. And then it's just like intertwined. I think it's like the Narrow Way Part 3 where it's actually a really good song. And then it just goes back to chaos at the end. Yeah, Yeah, very experimental at that time. And I think that was when... Uh, Sid Barrett was out of the band. Yeah, he wasn't in the band. I think the last the record one. he featured on was Saucer Full of Secrets. Yeah, and that was the, the last song. You know your stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's actually a collector's thing when it comes to Pink Floyd. There's like this box that they released, I think it was four years ago. Yeah. And it was $500. And one of the coolest things that I saw is that they had the, they were recording them and the shows that they did. And I found it so interesting when it came to like progressive and like space rock in that time that there was like a ballet recital composer guy and he's just like, I want to do echoes and make a ballet out of it. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. shit. I hope you find it sometime because it's <laughs> cringy to watch where you see them like up on this stage, like they're just on this pedestal, and then you just see these like ballerinas and like dudes that are shirtless just like dancing around Damn. to echoes. Yeah. I wanna watch that right now. <laughs> yeah, if I can find it. I love echoes. No, I yeah. <laughs> I do as well. And there's also, um, uh, they've actually released on Spotify. It's called Nothing Part 14. It's the first like jam they did that oh. then became Echoes. And I, I keep falling back onto that one. But I haven't uh, heard that either. Would recommend. Yeah. I would. You will just appreciate just to kind of see, because they were so aggressive in the writing, as you know. 
and they were just constantly like just beating it out when it came to uh, trying to release albums. And to think that there's like other 13 parts that you just can't hear, they just happen yeah. to release this one in particular. It just gets you curious on like what the other ones are. Yeah. But that box set you mentioned, was it the the early years one? Yeah. With the, the three stripes on, or was it, uh, it was like a black box set with yes. three stripes. Like the old, the first band van they had, it was a black van with three stripes, and that's why the box set was black with three stripes. Mm. I had no idea. <laughs> that's actually a cool fact. Um, but I would say, just personally for me, because when I was DJing, I would choose genres, so I had a th- like a three-hour shift yeah. when I was uh, doing was it. Was it like uh, CDJs or was it uh, vinyl? It was uh, whatever I wanted. So I could do CDs. I could also do just online because they were starting to upload all the CDs onto the computer. And then I could do vinyl. So like some of the radio hosts, they would just do solely vinyl. And you could hear it uh, when you would listen to them. And they would have this whole persona. Really cool guy that would do that in particular. But when it came to my session, I would do like classical music in the first hour. And then I would do like indie or like uh, Americana in the second. And then just soul music in the last one. And then just do popular hits. But I actually refrained from hip hop because it was a difficult genre for me to get into. Mm. And I had a friend of mine who used to freestyle all the time. Love this man. And he would drink 40s and like put orange juice in and stuff. Like he was so <laughs> fun to hang with. Yeah. He uh, threw me Mad Villainy and oh. played accordion, uh, if you know MF Doom. Yeah, of course. And Rest in peace. Yes, of course. <laughs> um, but um, Food and Born Like This and all that yeah. uh, was my first introduction into hip hop. But was Wu Tang Clan your first, or was there another hip hop artist that kind of like introduced you to the genre? Actually, I think that Wu Tang Clan, or maybe De La Soul, was my introduction to hip hop. It was, uh, oh, that was my own introduction when I first started digging on my own. The first time that like this hip hop record got into my radar, what you say, is my brother. He <laughs> he made a CD with Fifty Cent in the club when yeah. I was a little little boy. And I would, I would uh, put it on, and I would uh, imagine that I played the song in front of my school. <laughs> I, I think I was like in second or third grade. I would be like, "Go, Shadi!" <laughs> <laughs> and I probably did. Probably still wore a diaper at the time. <laughs> and you were in third grade. Like yeah, I got bullied so much. Oh, <laughs> the, when I was in high school, um. I was playing uh, Machine Gun by Jimi Hendrix, and there's this live version on like Fillmore East 1970 when he was in the band of Gypsies. Oh, it's, I think it's just Band of Gypsies, the record, Machine Gun. It could be. Yeah. Uh, But it could also be live at the Fillmore East. Yeah, because yeah, there's a lot of shows that they released, yeah. and then they took it off. But I remember playing it because I just they would give me the the mic, and then it would play throughout the entire school. It was yeah. a small, like, 135 kids like entrepreneurial school that I went to yeah. and the teacher came to me he's like you can't like I can't have you play this because when I'm hearing like him like jamming like loudly as possible on his guitar like I'm like jamming my keyboard when it's doing it so you have to like be more careful I'm like ah oh, damn it damn that sounds dope though oh it was that nice. song is crazy it's it's the one that I'll always introduce people to like uh when it comes to Hendrix yeah but no I Like I appreciate when it comes to like your world music uh, dive because yeah. I'm from the states and I'll always come to like English artists. But it was when I started to broaden my horizons by hearing a lot of different like radio hosts where I was uh, volunteering, and I tried to like b- 
boost a little bit into like the world music because that's yeah. a genre in some of the record stores in the United States where they just have this small section of like other artists that are not from the States. Yeah. But what was it for you when you came to wanting to like get like the French version of like David Bowie or like yeah. the German versions of like the Beatles? It's, I think that when I first started collecting vinyl and crate digging, I just, you know, assumed that all good soul and funk music was from the States mm -hmm. because that's all the famous stuff. Then I started digging a bit deeper and you like French soul funk from the 70s is just as good, if not better, some of it. And I didn't realize that that was a thing until I started collecting vinyl records because there's a lot of stuff that isn't on Spotify and isn't on YouTube that you can find on vinyl records. And I just think that blew my mind. I was like, if if Italy has this soul funk scene that is so good, then what about Germany? What about France? What about Spain? What about yeah, India and Thailand? Pretty much every country has something obscure, crazy shit that you can find on vinyl. I just haven't found some of it yet. No, I and that's where it's like I don't know where to begin because if it's like a genre because even there's like psychedelic Zambia like this African yeah, country yeah. and it only lasted like ten years. Yeah, same rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know, yeah. yeah. There's a, I just stumbled upon that like a couple days ago and I was and I'm trying to find like some of the large artists because some of them like, like which and I do not know them unfortunately. I think that's the biggest one. Same rock. There is a a good documentary about them with like this modern band tries to find all the members of the band in Africa and tries to get them back together and play again and tell stories and they were huge in the 70s it was crazy big in Zambia so I can recommend that documentary I, I will actually take yeah. that uh, after we're done because yeah. I'm curious about that did you ever uh, see any psychedelic like bands that you've wanted to like did you catch roger waters at a concert yeah i was at the a roger waters concert with my dad at royal arena in copenhagen because i'm i was just i am still such a big pink floyd fan that i just wanted to see him before he dies <laughs> god <Yeah>. forbid yep. <laughs> but i think he's a genius and i just wanted to see him real life and i saw him but you know the thing he he's very political now in when he performed the song Pigs, there was this big inflatable pig with Donald Trump's face on it. Yeah. And for some people, it's a bit too much, but yeah, it's just Roger Waters. So it's fine. But yeah, you know where he stands when yeah. it comes to these issues. But what is um, one of the like more endearing shows that you've come across? Because you told me that you've been to a lot of concerts. So. Yeah. Are you more of like the arena guy, festival, or just like small shows? Um, at at Roskilde Festival, I'm mostly at like the this this place just called Arena, a stage under a big tent. Usually the shows in there are a bit more crazy and hyped than the Orange stage, where there can be like a hundred thousand people standing there and it's a bit unpersonal mostly mm -hmm. especially the Eminem show there were I think over a hundred thousand people and the like the sound of the music just like the you know the the equipment they used 
wasn't really that good, so the sound was a bit flat and it didn't really sound that good. And I was just like, "What the fuck? <laughs> this is Eminem." And he played all his new shit, which I don't really like. And it was cool to see him, but it was a bit disappointing. And then on the other hand, at the small stages, you usually don't know what to expect, and that's where it gets f- gets fun because you can only be surprised. I was telling you about this uh, band from Iceland wearing orc masks and playing like heavy doom metal. And I was just like, I didn't expect this. I think I was going to the Cure concert or something at Orange Stage. And I just went to that other concert instead because it was so <laughs> fun. <laughs> no, I see. I dig that. Uh, yeah. I always have a difficult time because it's like I've caught like King Crimson and like Fleetwood Mac, but I'm like, have just you seen King Crimson? I did. Shit. Yeah. I and that was like full circle for me because King Crimson's my favorite band. Yeah. And that was the one I listened to in high school the most. Um, but I then went to do you know Daughters by any chance? No, I don't know that. Oh, that's that's fine. Uh they're very intense. Like I my friend describes them as drunk Elvis, <laughs> but it's like noise. Yeah. And I go to those shows for the purpose of like doing a mosh pit and like yeah. just joining in. And that dude I remember him coming out, I don't know his name, God forbid, but he had this like red mark on his forehead, like just this giant zit. And I'm just like, okay, man, like, are you okay? And what I learned is it's not a giant zit, it's like a mark, like a scar, because when he's on stage, he just smashes the microphone into his forehead and he'll like strip in front of people. And it's one of the gnarliest things to like be a part of. And that's where I'm more interested in those shows more and more yeah is like the up-and-coming uh artists because now they're like relatively popular they released a really good track uh album actually but i those are the shows that i'm most <laughs> addicted to now yeah i agree but it, yeah go ahead it's like uh if you are going to see a popular act let's say like billy eilish or something yeah she she's not allowed to do all that crazy stuff because people film her and it will be the front page and her managers are like, oh, you can't do that. But if you go and see this underground stoner rock band, they can just, like, they're allowed to do anything, really, until they're kicked out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's that's where it's really fun, I think. Nah, I, I agree with that. Uh, and, and, it, I, and that's where I find it so interesting because I actually caught Mac DeMarco, if you're familiar with him. Yeah. Uh, the f- I saw two shows. Uh, there was one in Portland, Oregon, where it was um, he was playing in a zoo, and that in sound- a zoo in a zoo. Yeah. I'm not even joking. There were elephants in the background, <laughs> and like my friends and I came like an hour early to like walk through the zoo and then go catch the show. And then there was the conventional like uh, concert in uh, my hometown. So we drove to Portland, then drove back and caught both of them. And as you know, Mac, he's got this like insane personality yeah. that genuinely just like Abstract. a crazy guy yes <laughs> that's putting it lightly but yeah. he came out with like a six-pack uh and then brought it on stage at the uh the zoo show like, like a six-pack of beers yeah and downed them like throughout the show and in the middle of it he just stops playing i forget what song it was and then just pisses himself and he's just like you're just like okay he's <laughs> on like, purpose yeah on purpose like people are cheering him on and it reminded me of like the jim morrison stuff where yeah. he just drink on stage and people are like strip and that's what happened after is like they're telling like cheering him to strip and all that it came it became one of the weirdest shows that i've been to and what happened was i think he forgot he pissed himself and so uh towards the end of the show he decided to crowd surf 
and there was like this sea of like teenage girls that would always be up front and like a yeah. line of boyfriends in oh the back. Oh my god, I tasted Mac the Macro's piss. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> but the thing is, is like he decided to jump on them and they couldn't lift him. Oh. So me and like this other dude had to go and get Mac DeMarco up and throw him onto like the adults. Yeah. And I remember getting the pissed side of Mac. And I just remember just like smelling and I'm just like, what the fuck is going on? Celebrity piss. It's yeah. the best. And I threw him and then I remember going to my friends after and just like wiping my like my hand on their face. I'm just like, that's Mac's piss. And they're just like, oh shit, okay. <laughs> but it that was one of the more unique uh, experiences that I had. That when sounds it was, like, very concerts. unique. Yeah. <laughs> and then the Spokane show was like completely sober. Like he did everything uh, to the T and just kind of kept it. I'm just like two different parts of it. Yeah. And I and that's what I found, unfortunately, because it was nice to hear him play through it just naturally. But then just to see like this is a unique experience yeah. that you get to have with the band. It's a great story also. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I, I, it's <laughs> fun to tell. But did you ever have like if it comes to a, like an, a specific artist where you had that kind of like authentic experience with them? I think I was at Das Fix at a place called Christiania, Loppen, you know, the free state in uh, Copenhagen. Yeah. And I went to see them, and I'm a huge Das Fix fan. And they, like, the, the stage was very small, and it was almost ground level, so you could see them in eye level. You could touch them if you wanted to. And they just went in, and they just started smoking crazy huge joints and started freestyle rapping and the crowd were all smoking joints and <laughs> it was it was so intense and so crazy. I did I didn't know that like that was one of my first real hip hop shows. So I didn't know it was so like relaxed with the crowd and they were like appearing as the crowd was just their homies, you know. And then one time the, the DJ just put on a beat and then they were just like, anybody from the, the crowd want to freestyle? And then they got five people on the stage and they made a cypher and they just freestyled and then the Dice Effects guys freestyled with them and they were like, you know, who's got more hype? And they were like <laughs> judging who's the winner and stuff. That was pretty fun. But also I was at Roskilde Festival watching Wu-Tang Clan and I was... In the front row, and I think maybe like sixty, seventy thousand people saw them, and I was at at, that, at the front row row <laughs> with the two of my best friends, who's also huge Wu Tang Clan fans, and we just sang all the lyrics with them. And the guys at Wu Tang Clan, they could see that we knew all the lyrics. So when the show was almost over. Old Dirty Bastard's son, Young Dirty Bastard, <laughs> he <laughs> got down and started to rap in front of like the front row. And then he got over to to me and my friends. And we just really, you know, headbanging and singing the lyrics and going crazy. And he was just he he said to me, Take my hand, and then I took his hand and he stood right in front of me and then he just started to crowd surf on me and the boys. And I was filming it, so I only had one hand and my Arm was kind of collapsing and <laughs> it was a bit heavy, but that was pretty fun, you know. Even though it's his son and not the real person, ODB, mm -hmm. but you know, still his genes. No, I actually <laughs> have a similar story. Uh, and there is, do you know, if you don't know, like Les Claypool, that's okay. Uh, he does a side project with Sean Lennon. Yeah. Uh, they were also in Portland. I've been there too many times. Uh, and 
I remember when I was at that show, they decided to do Tomorrow Never Knows, yeah. which is like a popular tune by John Lennon. And I sat there hearing how much he just sounds like his father. I'm like, this is the closest I'm ever going to get to John Lennon is his son singing yeah. like his dad's tune. And it was, it was one of, the, that's where it's like you get the full experience of just, you know, seeing the world kind of come together a little bit. And I was, it was very impressive. I have to say to kind of witness that. Yeah. But damn. No. Yeah. It's still his genes though. It's kind of a little piece of John Lennon. Oh or my is it god. Piece of John Lennon. Yeah, he's What about gifted. does he looks like? Oh, if you see a photo it's just yeah. like oh yeah, he's just he's he's But uh, a bit Asian also with the Yoko on yeah, with the Yoko yeah. jeans going in there. Yeah. <laughs> no, I I like it. But uh i have to ask because uh, we'll do like a second session of you playing. Uh, what are some of the songs that you are gonna play uh, in this next one? Oh. Oh no, never mind. Sorry, <laughs> it's it's uh, a transition into it. Oh. Yeah. I can. Uh, yeah, I will play some. Uh, yeah, some. Uh, this this guy called Pew Rokefeld from Sweden. I will play some Sweden psychedelic rock and I will play some French psychedelic funk. This is, as we talked about, the French David Bowie, who's kind of a funky madman. He screams and make makes this high-pitched, weird voice when he, when he sings, which I kind of dig. But when he was... I think he was 33 or something. He just went down to the metro in Paris and he never never got back. He just disappeared. Just James Bond-like. And uh, nobody <laughs> heard about him since. The French David Bowie. The French yeah. David Bowie. I like it. No, dude, thanks for coming and chatting. Yeah. It's appreciated. No problem. It was fun. It was hooky. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's actually one thing that's gonna stick with me for the rest of my life yeah. is huga. It's the huga man. Yeah. Oh, you can you can't say it in English. It's only in Danish. It's huga. Yeah. That's what the Danes say. It's like uh, it doesn't. It's not a real thing in America. It's it only is. in Denmark. Huga. Huga. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you, man. Thank you.